You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. We don't lose a match, either we win or we learn. And today we learn. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And I hope that you enjoyed the first point we've had after six consecutive losses in the league. We finally got a point and it feels good. It's not great, but it feels good. And uh, it was nice just to, to put an end to that losing run. And uh, we had some performances to be proud of as well. Musa Janepo having perhaps his best performance in a Saint shirt in a position that I almost never want to see him play. And uh, I thought he really performed quite well. And uh, it was a pleasure to be able to talk about that point with Mike Smale, who runs Match Day Vlogs. If you have not encountered Mike and his YouTube channel, um, it, it's a lot of fun. And I went on the YouTube channel. It's quite an early kickoff, so there's no natural light at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. Um, but we watched the match together. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And then we came on the show and talked about uh, talked about the match, talked about the players, talked about uh, the tactics, uh, the plan B that was apparently there. And uh, overall, I think we were totally satisfied with the point. Of course, uh, we would have been happier if Musa Janepo got some protection from the referee. But, you know, uh, one thing at a time, I guess. Uh, we do have a quick turnaround leads on Tuesday. So that's the day that you will be hearing this. Uh, but I hope that you enjoy the show and we'll just jump straight into the conversation now, since we have limited time before kickoff, when, uh, we're going to try to take some points off of leads at Elland road. So, uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Mike Smale. You can find him on Twitter at Match Vlogs, on Instagram at Match Day Vlogs, on TikTok at Match Day Vlogs, and the link to the YouTube channel is in the show notes. Um, Mike, welcome back to the show. I, I haven't talked to you in three hours because we just got off your YouTube channel, but uh, welcome back and, and how are you? Thanks, Matt. No, great to be here. Yeah, no, I'm doing, doing very well, actually. It's, uh, it feels like a weekend of, of football, that's for sure. I mean, uh, you know, certainly having you on the show earlier was, was fantastic, too. Our first international guest on a, on a watch along. So thanks for that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm doing really well. Well, hopefully, uh, me and the half liter of coffee I brought along were, were decent company. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I was telling you before we, we started recording here, um, I always struggle a little bit. I'm never quite sure how much to to say, or if I'm just rambling on about some point that doesn't matter, but you know, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to you and Jack. So, um, so yeah. And, and I would guess that the, the, the watch along portion of this is, is new because, um, we, we have a question. We'll just kind of start with this is it's yeah, called Baker sure. asks how different, uh, has it been for you as someone who, uh, frequents St. Mary's and has a YouTube channel dedicated to vlogging about saints match day experiences. Um, so I guess just start with that question. How, how different has it been? And then we'll go from there. Yeah, no, sure. It, I mean, obviously it's been a massive change. And, you know, I think uh, during the, the lockdown, the first lockdown period that, that we hit, we were all kind of sort of making content on our channels, like when's football coming back and all these kind of things. Um, and, and then when football started being played again behind closed doors, we saw, you know, we were doing kind of like a vlog of us watching the game. And it kind of just evolved into us doing watch longs because I was like getting a little tired because of course all the games were being televised as in before we would just be doing the home games and you know occasional away games that were becoming all these games sort of uh, uh, once after the other. So we then moved into doing like the live stream thing and we were able to create the same sort of content that we were doing before, 
but also engaging our viewership as well, which was great because it meant that we, we kept that sort of Saints community yeah. and base there. Um, and, you know, I, I still like to do lots of video editing on the side as well, but I, I think in terms of what is actually happening and, and how we're experiencing games at the moment, it doesn't really work as well because, mm-hmm. you know, I can set up a GoPro in my living room and then film me jumping up and down and yeah. you know, crying in my hands when things go wrong. But ultimately, when you've got that live element there, it, it's, uh, it's a lot more real and people yeah. can engage with it more. So. And also for our fan base, you know, they can, uh, you know, for our Saints fan base, they can watch the game with another Saints fan and they yeah. can engage with other Saints fans through our channel, which is, which is a fantastic thing about it, really. And, and I know it's, it's certainly helped me and Jack, um, you know, just to have, have a bit of conversation during these games and, uh, you know, keep that match day feeling. Yeah. But, you know, in these unusual circumstances, really. So. Yeah. So yeah, it, it has been different, and and actually, me and Jet do talk about what will it be like when we go back to normal match days, because you know there will come a time when we go back to the Mary Stadium and enjoy live football, and I, and I think there'll be there'll be elements of both. I think we'll probably do a preview show that will be live, and then we'll have a match day where we basically have you know a vlog of the game, um, you know, have the watch along, have the kind of GoPro camera sort of trying to put me and Jack and sort of showing our, our reactions and stuff like that. And then maybe something live after the game to get some fans involved through online video as well, you know, yeah. that they can, maybe we can do some fan interviews to get their opinions on the game through the online live platform that we're using. So there's lots of areas there, but, uh, but we certainly wanted to keep things going. Yeah. And uh, just do what we can really. Yeah. And I, th- I think both of us are, are somewhat similar and like we like, playing with that sort of stuff like the, the part of the challenge is like well for me is if i get bored like it means i have to add something new because i want to figure it out and then kind of once i figure it out it's like okay like now what do we do except uh, you know so I, yeah. I think i think we're kind of both like that because all of a sudden i know you're using i think Streamyard, right so like that's right yep and then so it's like well backgrounds and and you know how do you get everybody and i was worried i was like i hope i don't have to do some sort of um you know my background was just the wall and uh, I did take the, my, my in-laws dropped off this gigantic box of coins they found in their garage. And like, this seems like something your kids were like, it's like, no, but like I had to take it down. So you guys didn't all right. look at that giant box. But anyway, um, so it, it's a lot of fun to, to, to be on there. And it's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think, I think you guys are, are, are doing a great job. And I just wish that we were sitting, uh, you know, in the shadow of the Matterhorn, like last year, uh, where right. we could like, as we sit and, and, and talk, cause last time you were on the show for people that don't remember, um, we did it, we did it live. We did it sitting uh, actually at a cheesecake factory courtyard, uh, had yep. lunch and, and talked cause you were, you were out in California. California. Yeah. yeah. Now that was, uh, that was when the, when wolves fell apart, um, or when well, we fell apart against wolves last year. Um, yep. and actually I don't think but I told you, I was complaining about my, my hip that I, my hip was dislocated the whole time and I just didn't realize. Really? Yeah. I had to go to the, I went to the doctor and he's like, yeah, man, like put it back in. And it's, it's been, it's been good since, but like, uh, <laughs> I was complaining and taking a lot of pain pills, but Hey, it all works out. So, well, um, I was making you drive four hours to come and see me in Anaheim. You didn't make me do Sorry anything. I, I, <laughs> I willingly did it, but, uh, but yeah, but it, it's nice to have you on here, even though it's not, uh, it's not in person, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so, so the, the, the vlog's going well, or the, the channel's going well and, uh, people can find you once again, you're, you're at match day vlogs on TikTok and Instagram and then at match vlogs on Twitter and We'll put the links in the show notes, but if people are, are on those platforms, they can follow along. And you mentioned you do do a lot of video editing. And so a lot of the stuff that, that people, if they didn't watch the whole live thing today, you'll cut that up and, and kind of make highlights and, and other things from it so people can see the, the reactions and stuff. So if, if they're interested in that, 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 that stuff is there. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad it's going all right, even though it's, you know, obviously right. not in, in person like it, like it normally would be, but, um, but yeah. And, and at least we, we got to, to see, I had to share the experience of us actually getting a point for the first time in six league games right. um, today. And I think that has to be, you know, one of the, the things that we look at is um, this was overall, I, I, I assume just talking to you earlier, like this is a big positive today. Just, just putting an end to that losing run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it was kind of, I mean, this week we've been speaking to a lot of opposition channels. Jack did one by himself. Um, and I, and I also did one with, with Jack as well. And, you know, they, they were in 
high, high confidence. You know, they, they were in five wins on the bounce. Um, they were in a sort of a record away win streak that they've had. But on the back of our minds, we were thinking, yeah, but you've been playing some, you know, they played Sheffield United, they played Newcastle at home, then Newcastle didn't play as a striker. Timo Vona got his first goal in, in like three months uh, in the Premier League. So at the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, this, this game is still a game that we can get something from. And, you know, the more we looked at it in the sense of, you know, yes, we had Carl Walker-Peters out. That was our big injury concern. But aside from that, at that moment in time, because we didn't know about Stuart Armstrong, we had a fully fit squad, fully fit, fully fit first starting 11, shall we say. Yeah. Um, so, but even still, you know, I think 20 minutes into the game, when we're looking at statistics showing like 85% possession to Chelsea and thinking it's just a matter of time. Yeah. And they just looked so good as yeah. well. I mean, they were, it was a, the fact of how good they were keeping the ball. And then they were playing a high press game like we would. And I don't think I've seen anyone uh, you know, any team comes to married and charge down the ball as much as they did. So it, it, it was a concern. But like you say, to, to stop the rot and to, to stop, you know, us having another loss was, was a big thing. And, yeah. um, but, you know, I think a lot of Saints fans would have just thought, we'll take the loss today and we'll see what we can get on Tuesday. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so to then get the point, it felt, felt like a bit of a victory, really. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us would have been, you know, I wasn't critical of the lineup before we started because I didn't see it before. Because it was just too early. Um, <laughs> very but, easy, yeah. but the, I, I think some people, at least if I, if I put myself back and, and had I seen the lineup and gone like, you know, uh, one of the things that scares me the most is, is Musa Janepo wing back. Like that doesn't fill me with a bunch of confidence. Right. I don't have, um, you know, really uh, any, any memories of him performing well in that situation. And so that would have worried me going into the match. Um, but, um, I think one positive thing that we kind of talked about um, beforehand is is the the plan. Like there seemed to be a plan from Ralph that wasn't Plan A. It wasn't four two 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 all right. the time. Um, there was a a Plan B that that he has been unwilling or uh, either unwilling to implement. And 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 I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, at the with the players we have, he's trying to drill a system into them and get them to understand that before you before you expand into something else. So I, you know, maybe that's, that's where we're at, but um, there were some, some mentions going into uh, from the, from the press conference coming into today that potentially there was another player out injured. It turned out to be Stuart Armstrong. Um, so to get the best 11 players on the pitch, we could, this was the formation that we did. And it was uh, a little bit of a transition. There's a question on the, on that that we'll get to in a moment, but um, were you happy with the, uh, the plan of attack going into today even though you know it had Puel done it or Pellegrino or Hughes, where we go back five uh, when we're defending, maybe we don't like it. But how did you feel about it going into today? Uh, yeah, very good. Um, I think that the key thing for me was the fact that we, we we played that system against Newcastle at home, and you know back when we went top of the league, and you know we we did that through necessity because of players out injured, and we didn't have Danny Ings in the starting eleven because he was also injured in that period, so. It was, I wasn't surprised that he went with the system that he did today. I would have been a little bit annoyed, actually very angry, had he gone for like a, you know, Jack Stevens in the right back position and thought he would get a different result against Chelsea after the uh, obliteration that we had against Newcastle in the first half. I mean, that, that for me, that, that Newcastle game really annoyed me and it started, you know, Maybe a little bit of a chink in the armor of, of Ralph Hasenhutl there to think that, yes, he has said that Jack Stevens can play right back, but we all know deep down that that's probably not true. Right. Um, so uh, I was, I was, wasn't surprised it went three centre backs and, and then two wing backs. I thought it worked very, very well. It meant that we, we defended very, very well. Um, but I think you mentioned on the show, our show earlier as well, I was. Nervous about Musa Donepo in that right wing back position because of the the fouls that he makes and you know some of the times he loses the ball and, yeah. and he's not the biggest of players so when you've got a, an Alonso battering up against you you're going to come off worse but 
you know, the irony that he had the game of his life, arguably, in a, in a position that wasn't familiar for him. So, yeah, you know, that was a big win. For yeah, absolutely. And, and that was one of those things that I was uh, <laughs> extremely worried about. Um, but I wanted that. Does, that's not the right way to put it. I, I, I didn't want Jack Stevens to play right back, but I thought if, if we're going to get out of here alive, Jack Stevens probably plays right back. And we just kind of concede that side of the field. Um, we keep Alonzo quiet. We probably don't push forward as much. Um, but, but the problem with, with our, our, our squad essentially is Kyle Walker Peters likes to get high up the pitch. He has pace enough to get back and positional awareness enough to get back, which you saw Stevens didn't have against Newcastle when he, uh, you know, in St. Maximum just was, was in behind him constantly and dragging Bednarak out of position and all those things. Um, Kyle Walker Peters frees up Stuart Armstrong to play a more uh, you know aggressive style because he can stand up and tackle people. He can run with people and all this stuff. And if you put Jack Stevens over there, it just doesn't offer that same level of protection. So kind of whoever you put in front of him has to play more of a defensive role as well, just strictly for, for pace and overloads and things like that. And so I, I, you know, you, you lose that whole side of the field. And so I don't think it's a great plan, um, but I did kind of think that was what was going to happen. And then when it wasn't that way, I kind of went, okay, well let's, let's see. And as you said, like, you know, Janebo had perhaps his best game in a Saint shirt um, in, in, in a position that, that he, you know, I don't, that none of us want him to play very often, you know? Right. And, and so I think there definitely needs to be uh, some credit given to him because he statistically this season was a player that, that doesn't tackle very often. He doesn't, he's not successful very often, but he fouls a lot. And so you worry about that. You worry about yellow cards. You worry about him getting broken. Um, we were joking on the channel or I was joking on the channel because he's just so skinny. Like his legs are just one, one size all the way up. There's no, and it's, it, you just worry about him. He just looks, he looks so little and he's, he's not necessarily, but he just looks that way. And I worry about him, but he held up just fine against, you know, Marcus Alonso and everybody else. Timo Werner was on that side as well. And they had a few chances, but, but after the outside of the first, maybe 20 minutes, I think, I think he settled in and, and did well. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and he is a he's a small frame of a man. I mean, I think the one of the most amusing things you can see is Yannick Vestergaard stood up against you know, uh, yeah, yeah, on one side and Kyle Walker Peters on the other, and you just realise the difference in height that there actually is there. But um, but no, it, fantastic job, really impressed, and you know to think that he got out of those challenges put on him by N'Golo Kante and Timo Werner without any long term injury is is a mystery to me because you know he's arguably you know at a had a feather touch him and he's been out injured for four weeks and right. he's had these <laughs> stabbing heel up you know studs up challenges and he's you know giving a post-match interview and saying yeah we did all right today you know it's like this yeah. is this fun you know that in itself is a, is a huge positive and uh, you know we'll, we'll fill him with immense confidence you know should it be the same story on Tuesday night against Leeds yeah yeah and, and you wonder what the turnaround will be and who will be available there there is talk that Armstrong will be available, so you wonder if Janepo comes in. Uh, you wonder if Minamino is going to be able to start again, um, and, and we'll just have to kind of wait. We'll come to that. Uh, what we think will happen. Uh, this will come out that day, so not a, a ton of time, but we'll hopefully people will get a chance to listen um, there. But um, some other standout performances, I think. Um, Salisu, given man of the match on your coverage, um, I had the commentary off. I wasn't paying attention to all of it, so. I don't know if we, if they also gave it to him on our coverage or not. Um, but, you know, for him to come in, I think it's his Premier League first start, uh, definitely first start at home. Um, but, I mean, a big day for him. And I thought he held up pretty well, other than maybe there was one time where he was almost just, you know, yeah, I'll just nod this down to Ryan Bertrand here in, inside our own penalty area. And it's like, man, just get it away. Like, but uh, he's confident and, and you, you got to give him that. So uh, a good performance from him. Uh, how would you, I mean, do you think he's worthy of, of man of the match given given what he did today? I think so. Um, I mean, like, you know, we, we talked about Jennifer a moment ago, but I, I think, you know, in terms of the game time that Mohamed Salah has had and the fact that we've been, we've been waiting all season for him to, to get on the pitch and, you know, and get playing football for us, um, I think he had a, a great game. He, he was involved in a lot of the... the um, you know, the challenges, you know, getting the ball back, um, cutting off, intercepting passes that would cause us a lot of problems. 
And so I can see absolutely why, you know, the pundits on, on BT Sport that we were watching were uh, giving him a man in that. Um, I think it's massively encouraging as well for, for him because, of course, he's been out with this muscular injury for, for such a large period of his Southampton playing career. Um, you know, it's hard to believe that he's he planned to recover back in, in August last year and here <laughs> we are in February talking about his, you know, debut performances. Um, but it's, it's really encouraging and, and a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of press pundits were, were talking about Salafin saying, you know, this is a, this is a serious centre-back player. So we're looking at him thinking, well, this is, is this our next, you know, our next Virgil van Dijk sort of uh, frame of a player. But he, he looks quick. You know, he's, he's a large frame. He moves fast. He can read the play. Um, and, you know, he, he's just ever-present in that back line. And, and I think it will be, it will be perhaps be a problem for, maybe Ralph to sort of think about, well, when players do start to become fit and available, you know, where does he fit in, in that mix? You know, if he's, if he's a player that can, can play as well as he does, yeah. you know, you want to you wanna have him in the starting 11, perhaps, and what does that mean for um, Bednarek and Vestergaard, you know, right. let alone Jack Stevens to be able to. Sure, yeah, no, I think, I think Jack Stevens is, is firmly fourth choice at this point, and, right. and it's probably, I guess, going into the season, uh, I'm not sure where everything was there, but I, I, I think I'm, it's safe to say that I don't think any of us thought Vestergaard was going to be this good for us. We kind of thought, you mm-hmm. know, Lester we're talking about was a 25, 30, 35 million. And everybody was like, what are, you know. what's the holdup? You know, <laughs> yeah. what are we waiting for? Um, and he's been, he's come in and been great. And, and that's, you know, arguably right. I don't want to say Solis is our, our second best center back. Cause I'm not, he hasn't proven himself yet, but he has the tools to, to, to do it. And he's going to learn, and that's one of those positions where, you know, as a goalkeeper, you tend to not hit your peak until later in, 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 in age in your career, I guess. Whereas some of the players that are further up the pitch, once they hit 27, 28, they start to kind of decline a little bit. Um, but center back's one of those places where if you read the game well and you position yourself well, you can play for a long time. And, and Salisa's still young and he's got a lot to learn and he's going to learn it. And so he has the potential, probably the highest ceiling of anybody. I would still say my preferred... Um, pairing is is Vestergaard and Bednarak but um you know I'm not sure I, I mentioned it on, on on the live stream is I don't know how I feel about Salisu and Vestergaard playing next to each other because they're both left-sided center backs um right and I just wonder about that if you move Vestergaard to the other side that long switch to Kyle Walker Peters isn't there it's not the same um can can Salisu play that pass uh and, and so things I have questions about that but I I think that's maybe getting ahead of ourselves and right now we just appreciate the fact that he came in he hasn't looked out of place in the back line not against Chelsea uh not in the FA Cup and you just kind of go like you know let's enjoy it and let's let's watch him develop and that's kind of the the type of player that we're going to get at Southampton and and we should just kind of you know be happy with that not not that we're not settling for anything but we should we should be happy and enjoy the 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 kind of the ride that it's going to be because it's it's not going to be smooth probably no, no, definitely not. And, and I think, you know, it just goes to show you what, what form can actually do for, uh, you know, the opinion of, of a player. I mean, like you said, it's, uh, you know, last season we were talking about Yannick Vestergaard and the, the rumours of him sort of leaving for, for Leicester or something like that. And we were like, they take money now. But, you know, those, those performances that, uh, that um, you know, that he put in just before this last injury that he's had, that he's just come back from, well, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're looking at it thinking like, well, it's probably a good job that he's out during January because I reckon a lot of clubs needing a, a big, lofty centre-back would probably be in for him. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it's crazy to see how things change. And actually, when you were saying about, about taking the money, I remember the last conversation we had in, whilst we were in Anaheim, we were talking about uh, Cedric. And oh. uh, I remember one of the comments you said that if, if someone gave us Five million for Cedric, I take it right now, and and that was the month that you went to Arsenal. So, it, you, you just can't write. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think you you sort of you willed it into action. So, good job on that one. But um, but uh, but yeah, it's just uh, it's great to see, and you know, these are the kind of things that that we want to see. You know, Gineppo picking up a great performance today. You know, maybe that's going to set him on a path where we're going to see much better performances there. Redmond's really yet to hit the boil in terms of what he's put forward into the squad yet. A lot of questions marked about him, but he put in a great assist today. And, I, you know, you always want that for players in, in Southampton, that they can have these sort of performances that give them the confidence to then take them to that next step. And, 
you know what it's like to be in the Southampton fan. Yeah. Know, players does well, and you're talking about another factor that you're worried about that other, yeah. other clubs are sniffing about, you know. And uh, that's uh, you know, that's the life of being a Saints fan. Really. Yeah, and I, I guess we'd rather have that than nobody right. wanting our players because we've been there too, and that's not any fun. <laughs> that's at the, the, at that point you're showing up to watch West Brom play every day, uh, and that's nobody wants that. Um, not, the only thing worse than actually they, they played Burnley today and they actually looked better with 10 men than um, I would have uh, I would yeah, have expected that. but trying to look at that that kit on TV is is horrendous <laughs> um, but there you go um, another positive performance you, you mentioned Redmond um, and and we'll come on to lineup questions in a moment but he's in the squad he starts kind of next to Ings uh, maybe behind Ings, I'm not exactly sure. Sometimes mm. he was furthest forward, sometimes he was behind. It just kind of depended. But um, he kind of dropped onto the, got onto the ball, played a little one-two with Romeo, and then um, you know Danny Ings created some space and allowed Minamino to run uh, in, in, off the center backs. And um, Redmond slipped him a great pass. Minamino, fantastic finish. Needs to needs to get some credit for um, sitting Aspoqueta down, sitting the keeper down. And then nicely finishing with the outside uh, of the foot. I think that means he scored now with his left foot and his right foot, um, which is great. And he's the first opposition player to score against Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. Um, they've only had own goals up until now, so that's fantastic. Um, so a lot of credit to him. But Redmond instrumental in in that. And you know, I think a lot of us have been critical of Redmond, myself included. Um, but I thought. His assist was great, and and then Minamino's performance kind of he kind of drifted in and out up until then, but uh, he got the goal, which is what we what we needed because up until that point, I think that's the first time we touched the ball inside their penalty area uh, mm. all day. Yeah, no, absolutely, it's our first touch uh, in the penalty area, first shot on on target, and we get a goal. It, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, like you say, Redmond's he, he kind of splits a fan base really. I mean, we all know what he can do, and we all know that there are top managers out there that absolutely love the way. Redmond plays and sees a lot of potential in it. And, and we've seen some great stuff from Nathan Redmond. I mean, the amount of times that, you know, he's cut inside and blasted it with his right foot outside the box and scored an absolute screen. We haven't seen that in this season yet. And we all know it's, it's possible. But, you know, Redmond, I think, draws a lot of attention. Whether it's because of the position he plays, you know, he ends up losing the ball a lot. But you'd argue and say, well, Danny Ings hasn't really done much better than what, Nathan Redmond's done the last few games. I mean, yes, he's, he's scored a goal, but, you know, he's, he's kind of gone a bit missing. And I think, you know, maybe Danny Ings didn't have the greatest of games today, probably worth playing on the pitch rush. But, um, yeah, I think Nathan Redmond, obviously, he's got to do something. He's got to get a couple of goals to, to silence the naysayers. But I think he gets a bit of a bad rep, really. But, but those, those where we play with Redmond up front, I know a lot of the graphics from the uh, from the broadcasters have him sort of playing side by side, Danny. But I don't see that at all. I mean, I think from what we saw today, there was a clear rotation of like Minamino, Redmondings, and that sort of you know, depending on who's who's dropping back and who's sort of playing ball falling forward. So, and that that was down to really sort of confuse the their back three and you know not know who to follow really. So I don't think it's as clear cut as Redmond's up front. I think he's sort of still playing a out on one of the wings uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I guess this is as good a time to come on to this question as, as ever. Uh, this comes in from St. Mary's Statbase on Instagram. He says, how did you see the formation today? Do you think Ralph played this because of the last six games? So the fact that we have it one in the league uh, and five coming into this. Uh, he says, it looks like a 3-4-3 out of possession and then sometimes uh, uh, and then a 4-2-2-2 in possession. And I I didn't see this initially when I watched the match, um, but I went back and watched the uh, I just watched the replay or the highlights, and you know it's it's in as much as you can see in twelve minutes when we do have the ball, Bednarak looked like he was pushed much further forward than Salisu, so kind of he's almost in line with Bertrand, um, Salisu and Vestergaard make up kind of the back um, four, and initially w- when we were watching the game live, I was in my head wondering why Bednarak, why there was so much space down that right-hand side and why uh, Bednarak was pushed, like, why wasn't he, uh, why, 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 why could, <laughs> why, why would Marco, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, 
why was Marcus Alonso able to run in behind so much? And I think it was because we were trying to push Janapo a little bit further forward to create something going forward. We just couldn't make it happen. But um, I I think, I mean, did you kind of recognize that or see that? And do you see that as a, as an issue or is that, I, I guess some actual like attempt to create something going forward and create, uh, a, a, a few chances, but we just didn't have the possession to do so. Yeah, I, I think, you know, definitely early parts of the game, you could see there was massive space in the right back position and, and Marcus Longto was in, in all the space in the world. So I think something changed, maybe that we got a little bit tighter at the back, maybe Ralph sort of switched up a little bit. But it was kind of strange to see that when we, and this is probably down to the amount of possession that Chelsea had as well, that when we did lose the ball, we didn't have, we weren't that far up the pitch. So it wasn't the case of everyone was running back. It's the fact that we were playing deep in our own half for sure. most of that first half. So, um, which is something we don't don't really see. And um, I think it was only at the beginning of the, the, the second half we actually saw uh, the start of play there. And it, it almost felt like that we hadn't changed ends because we were playing in the same <laughs> half of football. You know, it, it, it was really weird because we were so far up the pitch being really attacking. I'm thinking like, that's a, that's a ballsy way to start the second half, Ralph. But um yeah. But no, it, it definitely something was, uh, you know, I think Gineppo probably sort of got more comfortable with the role that he was doing because I think perhaps early on he was thinking, I'm just a winger, you yeah. know, not really thinking about the fact that I'm part of the defensive lineup as well. But, but yeah, there's de- definitely, definitely a change, change in that. And, uh, you know, it's the plan B worked. And, and yeah. You know, I, I mentioned in the watch along how it almost feels like this is the Southampton way of parking the bus. And we should have done this in that game that we dare not mention. Yeah. Um, you can say it's a safe should, space. You can say it here. It's a safe space thing <laughs> amongst friends. Yeah, that, that United away game. And it's just, you just think, like, why didn't you do that? And, you know, sacrifice a, you know, to the front man and, and just play like this and just stop those crosses coming in. It's yeah. like, you know how to do this. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, there's a lot of talk about not being able to apply the press and do all those kind of things. You can, you can still, you know, firm up your lines and sort of bring more players into the into the back line and, and do what we did there. So, yeah, frustration really. But um, but it's great to see us do it today. So. Yeah, and and we didn't so much press in their half today. Um, right. We 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 just basically because the ball wasn't there. But we did definitely um, apply pressure to two players when they were on the ball we just we just very rarely ever had possession in their half um according to understat we allowed almost 17 passes per defensive action and and that if you look at their our stats over you know the the whole of ralph's tenure uh, that is not at all we're usually closer to <laughs> much yeah. much lower than that um and and so it d- doesn't uh it wasn't a typical game for us but it was i probably the appropriate um, time and and I I am guilty of, of of saying I'm I'm so glad that we have a manager and Ralph who says this is the way we play football and we're going to play this football against you and because we had managers and previously you know since Kuman before Ralph that it seemed like every game there was something we were just reacting and we weren't being proactive right. and and I was really happy that we had Ralph who said, this is how we're going to do things and we're going to press and we're going to play high intensity and it, and it, and it worked for a long time. But I think with the personnel that we're missing now, we can't do that. And so to whether, you know, I don't want to go back to us being reactive to other teams always, but you're playing a team who's in decent form, who's confident and you're missing a lot of players. And sometimes you just have to go, this is the right time to do this. And that's, that's what Ralph gets paid for. He's got to make those calls. So, uh, I think he d- definitely deserves some credit today for finally doing it, uh, whether it was him or assistant coach Mark Ruffalo who uh, who put that in his head. Um, I'm yeah. never going to unsee that, if, Jack, saying that now. So um, anyway, um, it wasn't all good, though, because uh, we didn't come out. I mean, we came out with a point, great performance, uh, happy with that. But yeah. there were a couple of things. Um, you mentioned Danny Ings probably being the worst player on the pitch. According to, to who scored, he was. Um, of course that goes down because he gave away a penalty. Um, some people messaging me saying, not sure it was a penalty. Um, yeah, it was a penalty. <laughs> I, I, I kind of think it's, 
I wish it wasn't, but it yeah, was. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of didn't see anything wrong with the, the call. And, and you see, there's the instant reaction of Danny Ings to shake his finger kind of on the slow motion replay. But even then, it only lasts a second in slow motion. And then and you don't see any reaction from any of the Saints players. They don't they don't really bug the referee. They don't try to argue it away. It wasn't, it, you know. And, and so because of that, you kind of go like, yep, he got him. And, and granted, he is putting in the defensive effort. He's coming back. He's, I think Chelsea took a quick corner to lead to that. Um, and it wasn't the greatest touch from, from Mount. He just tried to kind of chop it back the other way and it didn't quite, uh, come off. And, you know, if, if he gets something on the ball, then I guess it, it's not a penalty, but he doesn't touch the ball and, and it doesn't. And unfortunately it was Mason Mount who I absolutely hate, um, who stepped up and dispatched the penalty. And, and, and despite all of Chelsea's possession, despite, um, you know, the, the number of the amount of time they spent in our penalty area, they, they needed that penalty to, to, to draw a level with us. And, and I, and so, although I'm not happy that we gave away a penalty at, at the end of the day, you know, McCarthy didn't really have that much to do. We, we defended quite well, I think. And it's just unfortunate that the, that the penalty happened, but um, no arguments from, from you in terms of it, it was a penalty. No, no, not so. I mean, you know, you could see the, the, the conclusion in the face of the other, the hands of the defenders. I mean, you know, okay, Danny didn't have a, have a great game, but he put in a shift and he was making challenges, you know, on, on the defensive line. So, you know, you've got to give him credit for that. But, you know, Danny is a striker for a reason. And, you know, when he's in the five-yard box, he perhaps might make decisions that, you know, uh, aren't too wise. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we can take, you know, it's obviously a negative that we've conceded another penalty at home. Um, you know, this, this one actually was a penalty, um, but we can take a positive from the fact that Chelsea can score an open play against us. Yeah. You know, there, there was a fact that, you know, with that amount of possession that they had, they still weren't able to break down those defensive lines. Now, you, you'd say for, for a club that's conceded so many goals of late, that's got to really annoy Thomas Tuchel in terms of, you know, what he came to Mary to hopefully, hopefully do today and get a win. Um, and to not be able to score from, from open play, it's got to get him thinking, um, especially with some, some distant games with Chelsea coming up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, not, not the greatest performance from, from Danny, but, you know, it's not like he did anything massively terrible outside of that, that continuity penalty. Right, right. And, and that sometimes those things happen. And, he, and you yeah. got to give him credit because he is tracking back and, and, and trying to put in the defensive work that we praise him for so often. Uh, sometimes it's going to, you know, you're going to give away penalties and uh, it's just the way it is. Um, We also, we didn't create very many chances today, but I think that the way the game kind of played out, we, it was going to be that way. We, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of said it was our version of kind of parking the bus. Um, We were pretty clinical with the chances that we had. Um, And, and Minamino, you know, gets one chance all game, makes it count. And and you got to give him some credit for that. Uh, ideally, you know, I would like to see us creating, uh, more chances. Um, but we, we nearly went up then from, um, across a, a header from, from Vestergaard in the 70th minute. And, mm. and I just want to take a second to, to say that was Nathan Redmond beating a man, putting a ball in the box, which is so often one of the things that we tell him, please do that, you know, please yeah. create space, put it in the box. And it was a kind of a floated ball. I think it took a little bit of a deflection, uh, across, but, uh, Vestergaard stooped and headed and, and Mendy was nowhere near it. And if it, if it just is, you know, a foot lower, it's off the underside of the crossbar and in, and, and we probably walk away, uh, two, one winners. Absolutely. And, and Redmond gets the second assist of the game. I mean, it's, these are the, the small margins that, that are in our game at the moment. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that, that goal could have gone in. It was kind of, uh, would have been absolutely wonderful had it, had it done that. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's where we're at at the moment. But we were very clinical. And, you know, I think that, especially that first half, to have one attempt on goal and, and score it <laughs> is exactly what Ralph would have absolutely loved. And, and we've had we've had chances in the, in the you know, the last few games. You know, the, we had plenty of chances to, to get the victory away at Newcastle and it just didn't go for us. You know, we had mm-hmm. chances... Yeah, outside of all the decisions that went against us um, in that Aston Villa game, you didn't take them. And, you know, it's, it kills you as a manager to watch that, I imagine, you know, to, to see all the hard work behind the scenes and then for it to not, not come up the, the way you, the way you hope. So, and especially when you come up against opposition like that, you, you, you're not going to get many. Right, right. 
the rest of V6 in his one first half. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I want to say I'm counting up the touches on who scored. I think it's eight touches in the opposition penalty area for us today. Um, sure. I mean, if you if you look at the touch map, it's just void uh, all the way around their area, <laughs> other than those those um, the set piece, the headers. So so, so Vestergaard had a header, Benrak had a header, Danny Ings had one shot that kind of went wide, um, yeah. and and then Minamino. And then other than that, it's it's Redmond out on um, out wide, I guess on, on our left hand side. Um, trying to find some stuff, and Nathan Teller maybe had one laid on as well, but um, not a lot that we could do because we just didn't have possession, and no. and that's just kind of the way the way things panned out today uh, for us. Um, you know, go, looking at it now, you know, it's only one point from eighteen. I think you know if I can do basic math, so that's not a great um, it's not a great stat, but we can only improve that going forward. And I think you know to go through a drive run like we have to to still to to be able to look at the table and say we're not in a relegation battle yet, um, right. and I and I don't want to sit yet, but just if we continue it's on like, this, whoa, run, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. yet. If, if we continue like this, then we will be. <laughs> but to you know, we built up enough steam early on in the season to to protect ourselves from a, a bad run. Where, given how 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 fast the fixtures have come around, the injury troubles, you know, we were we were playing with fire all season, going into a season with a, a squad as thin as we we are. Um, I don't know if you saw the uh, the Dutch guy going around on the ice, you know, uh, on on Instagram or on whatever. But it was like, yeah, you yeah. know, this is us going into the season with a, a squad that's thinner than the ice, and and sure enough, you know, you fall in, and that's what happens, and it kind of breaks out from underneath you. But you know, hopefully, we're through that, and um, and yeah, and and I think the last kind of big negative thing today was, you know, Janebo took a lot of of uh, of punishment today. Tim Bizantz, one of the one of the patrons, says, "How many sins have we committed that uh, Musa Janepo atoned for by dying on the pitch today?" Uh, and then one of the things that we kind of pointed out was, uh, "Why? How come Musa Janepo didn't get any pr- protection from the referee uh, at all?" Yeah. So, I mean, do you think there should have been a red card involved in 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 what happened with uh, with him between Werner and and uh, and Conte? Yes, uh, is my very short answer to that. I mean, I I'm amazed that that they weren't really looked at in any particular depth. I mean, you know, after the game, I saw in circulation, lots of images going around of various tackles that are, that we have made on opposition players, and it's been a straight red very quickly. Um, you know, the, the one that sprung to mind when I was watching the game was actually when Gineppo got sent off against Newcastle, the last game that we were actually at Mary Stadium watching live football. And it, it was just like, how can, how can that not be a red? You know, and these are the inconsistencies of the, the match day officials that they have in the Premier League. It's just, you, you cannot simply give one and not the other. And the, all this kind of thing, like, uh, you know, maybe the foul happened after another foul was created, is irrelevant. He's, he's got his studs firmly planted into the player's legs. And it's like, why, why not us? You know, why can't we get the decision to go first when, it, when it's like this? I mean, in all honesty, I think the Conte one would have been would have been a little bit harsh, maybe. But in terms of the letter of the law of what we've had players sent off for, it's exactly the same as Gineppo on the, the Newcastle player that you know, I forget who it was that he, he found. But it's a carbon copy of of a red card offence that we've had players sent off for. So it's incredibly frustrating to see those not go go for us. Um, um, but you know, for Gineppo to come out of that game uninjured is is a complete mystery to me because, like I said earlier, like you know, he's had the minus, you know, minor touches, and he's been out four weeks, six weeks out, off injured. So, um, I mean, who knows? He, he, he might turn out that he injured is injured after this, but, uh, but there we go. But uh, but no, fantastic that that he's able to come out of that. But. So frustrating. And we've seen it time and time again, whether it be red cards, whether it be handballs. They just keep happening. I mean, yeah. There was one in the, the West Brom. Do you see the one in the West Brom game earlier today? Was it the ball literally bounced up and yeah. hit, the, hit the guy's arm? You're thinking like, his arms are out, stretched to the side. And you're telling it massively. And when you're watching games as a neutral fan, and you're being enraged by what you're seeing, right. there's something very wrong. It's like, I don't care about this game, but this is annoying me. You know? yeah. it's like, 
So they, they've got to they've got to fix it up, and and I'm not sure they're ever going to do that with the with the officials they've they've got in in play at the moment. I mean, it's just massively frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, and it's it it is frustrating beyond beyond kind of belief. Um, but one thing about Geneva as well, um, I, I just retweeted the uh, there were two pictures of him being both. <laughs> It's two stills of him being stepped on by both Conte and Werner, and it looks terrible. I mean, the the Conte one, he's basically laying flat on his back, and Conte just kind of steps straight on. The other one looks like it could have easily broken his leg, just based on the way it was out there. And um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not at all questioning his toughness. I am just I am surprised that he was not seriously hurt. Um, Not just because he often gets hurt, but that <laughs> they look like they really really hurt uh and, yeah. and he luckily i think hopefully he's he's okay um maybe his legs are like forged steel you know where yeah. he's been hammered so many times that eventually they've become this rigid i guess the, the bones rock. are strong it's the exactly. it's the the rubber bands that connect everything together are not um <laughs> but but yeah and uh you know i i generally think of anthony taylor as being somebody who's quite good at at his job and, I, and when i see him refereeing one of our games i tend to think like that's Okay, like we're gonna get a fair a fair shake here, and I, I didn't quite feel that way today. Um, right. Mostly just because of those two, not because of the penalty, but because of those two. Um, you know, he didn't. I think he, that's he, a decision. I think it's sorry to jump in. There. I don't. No. I think that's a decision for the VAR, though. You know, it's it's not a decision for the on on field referee on those sort of challenges because the Kante one, there's no way he would have seen it, like no way, um, because of the speed it was being played at. The, the Timo Werner one. Arguably, he was probably looking at other areas of the pitch because he's already given the foul beforehand, so he's possibly not looking at that one. So I think it's really the job of the uh, the video assistant referee to step in and say, wait a minute, this looks what one of those red card decisions that you should really be perhaps having a look at because this player's out of control. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's made uh, you know, a rash challenge on a player, and it's it's a dangerous challenge. Yeah. And, but End the story. That there is no oh, but he didn't mean to do it. I'm sorry, you're out of control. Yeah, you make a challenge like that. I didn't mean to drive my car off the cliff. It, 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 yeah, you did. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Sorry. Sometimes cool. accidents you still have to pay for them. There. I mean. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's somebody that's still at fault here, and and you oh, endanger the opponent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I totally, I totally get it. Just, uh, I guess a couple more questions to kind of wrap things up. Um. Kevin McGee, one of the patrons of the show, says, uh, "When I look at the Chelsea bench and see the amount of quality they have, um, and, and that can't get a game, and and also we couldn't afford any of them, what's the difference between us and them? Is it is it just an owner that's willing to lose money? That that that's the difference between them? They have that, and we, our owner, is unwilling. And um, I, I guess what do you what do you see as as uh, as part of that?" I think in terms of, you know, obviously Chelsea are the club where they've got an owner who loves investing money in the club. And if, you know, if Chelsea have a problem, he chucks money at it. And I, and I don't think there there is any other club, maybe Man City, but they just chuck money regardless whether there's a problem or not. Um, so they're kind of in, in, a, in a position where you know, they can do that. And, you know, Chelsea now... You know they've won a lot of competitions. They're, they're you know they're a bigger worldwide brand. They they sell a lot a lot more shirts internationally, so they're going to have more uh, more overseas revenue coming into the club and sponsorship through all these kind of things. You know all these big name players. You know it, it all builds revenue for the club, but it just it does sort of shine a light on the fact that how the Premier League is structured. There's something fundamentally wrong about it, and I know there's been lots of plans of of doing things with the Premier League to help safeguard the investments of the bigger clubs and, and do something with it. But, you know, when you've got, you look at Chelsea and they've arguably got a starting 11 set on the bench and they can literally throw out, you know, a world-class side. I mean, they, they brought on two substitutes that was considered of £100 million worth of players just walking onto the pitch. And it just shows you the, the massive difference. And, that, you know, the fact that we can still compete against that you know, it's commendable. It's fantastic to see, but you know, it obviously doesn't bode well for the future when you have you know players in our squad performing very, very well, and they're looking at the money that's been spent on players in other clubs and thinking, you know, 
how's that fair that I'm putting in such a, such a massive? I'm alluding to Danny Ings here, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, he's putting you know some two fantastic seasons now, and you know, perhaps looking at the big money elsewhere and, and thinking what he can do. But it, it, it is frustrating. But I think in answer to that question is that is that the difference between the two clubs? Yeah, absolutely. You know, but uh, in terms of Southampton, you know, there's so much talk of like Jow out and. You know, we need new investors. We need new uh, new owners to the club, and and really, the it's a difficult debate, really, because you look at it one thing, think, well, do you just chuck loads of money in it? But what's your return on that? You know, unless you're going to have some super rich, mad Saints fan, and, and you know, I hope hope to be that guy someday. I'm trying my hardest, but um, you know, until you find that guy who's going to sort of chuck loads of money at it, it's, it's probably going to be the same sort of format. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, we're doing what we can, Matt, you know, in terms of like building the brand of the club that becomes more of an international and, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do these things to, to build the profile of the club and, you know, long may it continue, but uh, we can only sort of work within the means and, and the structure. But, you know, to see, see Ralph getting so many great things out of players that were forgotten about, you know, Carl Walker Peters yeah. being one, you know, he was arguably forgotten about right back at, at Tottenham Hotspur and it's like literally the best 11 million quid we spent. <laughs> In the last 10 years, yeah. let's, let's be honest. And, you know, when Danny Ings came to the club, everyone thought, well, that's sick note. He's going to be sat on the bench all the time. And, you know, everyone just wrote it off completely. But, you know, he's performing very, very well. And, you know, we're, we're going to see more and more players come through um, with that, which is, which is exactly what you want to have on really. And, and it's exactly what we've been good for in, you know, so many of those, those previous Glory yeah, and, and I think one other difference is they spent a ton of money to get to where they're at, but now they yeah. are in a position where they are challenging for Champions League places and just playing in that competition brings in um, an amount of money that separates them from, from the teams who aren't there. You know, uh, like for instance, there's talk of Dortmund. If Dortmund don't get into the Champions League this year, uh, in Germany, there's talk that they may have to sell. Holland and Jaden Sancho uh, and, and a couple of other players that you would look at and go like, but that's who you're building your team around. But simply the the reliance on that on that money is, is huge. And and you saw what happened when Arsenal stopped getting into the Champions League, and they've kind of mm. you know struggled to sign to, to to sign more players without owners that are willing to to pump money into it. And they do have an owner that has a lot of money. And I think when we think about people who buy football clubs it's it's sad to think of it as they they see it as an investment but it's often a losing investment they are mm. you know he's it's already costing gal a, a ton of money just to have the club be where it is um you know he even though you consider the um you know the 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 money that comes in from the tv rights deals and things like that without fans going in there without us you know selling a big name player we're going to lose money and that's just the way it is so I, I do think that that having an owner who is, um, I think having an owner who you know has more money, yes, that is a big deal. But having an owner that is committed to winning and not just having it as an investment, I think yeah. is also uh, a big deal. I also think that having an owner that's allowed in the country is probably you know nice to have as well, which you know Chelsea don't have yeah. that luxury at this moment in time. But um, I definitely think that that the money is part of it, and and you know. Um, uh, a millionaire can own a football club, but if it's a billionaire, there's a, that's a huge difference, right? That, that that's a huge. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what frustrates a lot of Saints fans that they see that net worth of of Jow and they they think like, well, surely you, what is he like, fifteen billion or something? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's he's well within like the the top three wealthiest owners of the club uh, of of clubs in, in the Premier League. But it's a fact that he hasn't invested that much. I mean, his net worth is spread out across so many things. He's probably tied up in property all over the world. But it's mm-hmm. it's just a case of, you know, I think when fans see those headline numbers and they think like, well, can't we buy a player for twenty five million, please? You know, it's like, you know, surely that's pocket change on something like this. Especially when we see clubs around us, um, you know, the likes of Aston Villa spending hundreds of million on on, on additions to their squad. You know, and, and you know, Everton investing so much money in the squad, and and West Ham sort of playing players. I mean, that that's what's really aggravating our fan base. I think is the fact that the investment that they're seeing from other clubs, whether it be good or bad, whether it be that they're 
they're borrowing money to to, to build this, and actually they're, they're they're eventually you know putting themselves in financial difficulty. Um, but that's that's where the fan base I think is sort of divided in the sense that they're they're not seeing investment in Southampton that mm-hmm. they're seeing other clubs do. It is frustrating. It is frustrating. Uh, I think Roman Abramovich, eleven point three billion, second well most second wealthiest owner. Uh, yeah. In the Premier League, behind I guess that's the state of Saudi Arabia, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Um, anyway, all right, one one more. Um, you know, it's early, but Minamino, uh, the the partner page of the show, uh, the Southampton page, put out a tweet. So Minamino is one of those those lone players we're going to fall in love with, and to be really sad when he leaves. Um, and somebody said, well, what what if we buy him? Uh, and then. Um, Al Capone one five six says, you know, should we buy Minamino in the summer? And I think we were talking earlier, Minamino Walcott. Which of those do you do you take? Um, if you could choose to keep one, I guess who would who would you keep out out of the two of them? That's a really tough question. I I mean I think it's in terms of who would I like to keep and who I think will keep. It's two different things. I'd like to keep Minamino. I think he's at the you know as, as big as a romantic as I am, and as much as I you know. Love to see Theo Walcott, you know, finalise his uh, end of his career at the Football Club. I can just see, uh, I'd like to see Minamino. Perhaps I think what would be more realistic is the fact that Minamino may extend his loan loan spell at the club. Um, I think whether or not we'll be able to buy him, it's just going to be down to things like players' wages. You know, we're just so far behind um, a lot of the other the other clubs in the league. It, it all depends what he's done um, a week and. And uh, you know, whether or not we can afford it. Theo Walcott being a different one. I mean, Everton are subsidising his wages. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's on 150 grand a week. They're paying half, and we're paying, paying half. And effectively, he's on the same wages as Danny Ings. That's so, top, one of the top earners at the club, I think, <laughs> behind Fraser Forster. Exactly. So, so <laughs> then, what does that say? You know, you know, Fraser Forster led three deals five years ago. It's sort of all kinds of trouble. But, um, but yeah, I, I can see, I can see Theo. Taking a pay cut and you know perhaps staying on at the club and you know because he's getting game time and he's enjoying his football under Ralph Hasenhutl. Um but uh, but purely on quality of the player as it stands now and where they are in their career, I'd like to see Minamino if I had to choose. Yeah, um, well, you get that. you get five five years younger by keeping Minamino around versus Walker, right? Right, and yeah. that that that's something that we probably should look at in terms of we probably have seen about the most that Walcott's ever going to give us you know he's yep. not probably going to get better from here um, not that he doesn't play lovely football not that he um, doesn't add something to the team but if you're gonna you know trying to build something and work towards something it's probably Minamino uh, but that said he probably also will demand higher wages you know mm. um, I, I think because he is he's 26 currently um, so if you're good, if you're going to look, look the sign, he's probably going to want to capitalize uh, a little bit, or maybe he, maybe he accepts a, a slightly lower wage with, with the hopes of building himself up to one final big move when he's, he's 28, when that's kind of, you know, peak, uh, yeah. peak winger time, I guess, or peak forward time for him. But, um, I, I guess on that note, uh, I think Walcott will still be out for a little while. We may have Stuart Armstrong available for Tuesday. Um, but how do you anticipate us lining up against Leeds? Uh, would you expect a similar sort of lineup to today, uh, or would you expect us to, to to go in a different direction? I think we can see a, a, a bang on lineup that we saw today. Um, I mean, I think Leeds will be a completely different opposition. I think they'll be more open in terms of us being able to sort of uh, you know get get through and, and get more chances on goal. But I, I can see you know Ralph looking at the performance today and and, and sticking with it because you know there, there isn't really. You know, we can't revert back to plan A because of the injuries that are out. I think the only question mark sort of lies in, well, if Stuart Armstrong is fit, how can you start him and where do you start him if if you're playing with the, the squad that played today? So, you know, I, I can perhaps see us starting the same 11 that we did today and Armstrong being on the bench and then perhaps sort of brought into, into action when we need to make a change, you know, uh, later in the second half. But... Now I, I think Ralph will stay with it um, until um, until uh, you know Carl Walker Peters is back. You know, I'm, I'm just hoping not completely wrong. And he says, Do you know what? I'm going to try Jack Stevenson right back and prove you that I was right all along. 
if if Armstrong comes back in, I think we go back to the four two 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 with Armstrong on the right. But I, as I kind of said earlier, I don't think that allows Armstrong the freedom to to drift inside and kind of get in behind right. the forwards or or you know between the lines and and create the way he does. Because if you look at the goal we had um, last week, it was him coming all the way across the field, taking a touch, skipping by Traore, and then kind of uh, putting in the cross to find to find Yanni Ings and. Um, he needs that freedom if he if he is worried about defensive responsibilities. Not that he doesn't track back and help out, but if he's worried about that first and foremost, you will lose that going forward, which is um, which is what he brings the, you know to the team. But um, if if he's going to play in this system, I think it's maybe maybe Nathan Redmond that misses out a little bit, and you kind of see him uh, adopt that role where he's going to kind of be play behind Ings a little bit. But I. I don't know if that's his best position or not, especially as, as well as he's been working, um, you know, as that on the right side with, with, uh, with Kyle Walker Peters. And, and I do think Kyle Walker Peters is, is super um, just instrumental in, in how we play and allowing us to play the system that Ralph wants. And I think he's so instrumental that I, I wrote about it uh, uh, in the, the latest article and uh, you know, just the, the difference that with him in the lineup and him out of the lineup is, is astronomical and he's not the only cause of that, but I just think it's uh, it's super important. So if people want to check that out. They can uh, head to the website. It is the, the most recent article. It's very clearly titled missing Kyle Walker Peters um, <laughs> because uh, it makes me want to cry when he's not there. But um, if people want to follow you on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or check out the YouTube channel, all the links are below, but you're on Twitter at match vlogs on Instagram and TikTok at match day vlogs. And um, I just want to say thanks. It's been, uh, oh, a pleasure deal. pleasure to have you back on a uh, pleasure to join the channel earlier today i was a little bit as i said uh worried about uh you know rubbing sleep out of my eyes at 4 30 a.m but i hopefully hopefully i was it was good company you did a great job we, we forced you on live tv at the early hours of the morning so you, you did absolutely and, and like i said you you arguably look more awake than me and jack did and you know we were in greenwich meantime over here and it was midday for us but uh but yeah such is the way like a jump. There was no natural light. That's all I can say. There was no natural light at that point, um, but but that's okay. Um, and I see, you know, people won't see this, but I can see behind you. That's that's the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, it is. It was the uh, the only um, green screen option on 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 Zoom. So I thought okay. I'd just pick one. All right, all right. Well, it looks very nice, and uh, I appreciate that. And I hope, you know, I just hope I hope everything goes well. I hope your family's okay. I think last time we talked, your wife had just suffered some sort of skiing accident. Uh, hope right. Yeah. She's okay. Yeah, it's uh, she did something whilst whilst skiing. You're gonna make me sound really posh now, aren't you? But, uh, no, it's not <laughs> not, on, not on purpose. <laughs> but um, no, it, it was an injury that apparently um, skiers and professional footballers get. It's the exactly same injury that that Virgil Van Dijk got. Okay. Um, so you know, it's uh, what happens to professional athletes and uh, Virgil Van Dijk. So Jordan Pickford came in super late as it she's was, getting off the ski yeah. lift and just so she came off the ski lift. It was Jordan Pickford there, you know, thinking the ball was out of play. I hope she, I hope everybody's all right. And uh, I just want to say thanks yeah, we'll again. Thanks. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do this again. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton delivery podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Mike Smale. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. All of the links are in the show notes. And I would appreciate it if you went and followed him, uh, especially if you like engaging content. If you just need somebody to watch a match with, uh, the YouTube channel is there. You can feel like you're sitting around watching Saints play with some friends. You don't have to break any rules to do it. thank all of you once again for listening and a special thanks to the patrons of the show for helping make sure the show continues. If you would like to be a patron of the show, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. However, I know this is the middle of a pandemic, so no pressure, but if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. The show has a couple of partners. The We Are Southampton page on Instagram does the logo for the show. For all your match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. The Southampton page on Twitter will keep you up to date with everything going on around the Southampton Football Club. To get in touch a little bit more with the history and culture of the Southampton Football Club, check out the Saints Archive. All 
All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pot and Tim Bear. We'll be back next week. Be sure to look for a written piece up later this week on SouthamptonDelivery.com. If you want to follow us on social media, we'll catch you there too. That's it for this week. And until next time, remember that together, we march on.